Welcome to Blog Talk Radio in high fidelity. talking sports and having I want all your send messages to the show Hello. Technical difficulties there. Not good. But we're back. Paul Gain here, talking sports, having fun doing it. I was going to go through my spiel again. Hello, welcome to Go Forward. I'm your host, Paul Gain. And for the next hour, we're going to be talking sports and having fun doing it. I want all your ideas, all your opinions, and all your beliefs. And of course, as always, Hello. Hello. Having some serious technical difficulties here. We're going to try to get this all straightened up, buttoned up, and taken care of so we can talk sports and have some fun doing it. All right. We seem to be good. Let's get right down to it. Lots to talk about. I'm doing great, doing great. How you doing? Doing well. Thanks for joining us. And Avery, let's get right down to it. I look at you guys. Solid performance against the Seahawks. You're 2-1 now. Talk about what made you effective against Seattle on Sunday. Um, you know, I, I feel like I feel like as a team, uh, as a defense, I feel like us getting pressure on Russell Wilson was a, a huge, a huge part of it. And uh, making it one-dimensional, we uh, we eliminated the run game. And that was a, a huge, a huge factor, you know, into uh, you know putting a lot of more, a lot more pressure on Russell Wilson in the offense. But um. You know, they're uh, our our guys up front, our um, our defensive our defensive linemen and outside backers, man. Uh, I feel like they really did a great job of uh, of making Russell uncomfortable in the pocket and um, having to escape and throw on the run, man. So uh, he wasn't he wasn't comfortable the whole the whole game. So I feel like that really helped out a whole lot, man. And you look at your team. Got off to a slow start there in that game, but then that offense just turned it on to the Tennessee Titans offense. Second straight week of 30 points or more. Mariota's doing his thing. The 
run game for big time. How do you like yeah. your offense at this point? I mean, I, I'm, I'm really enjoying it because I'm able to sit on the bench and relax. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, you know, they're, um, they're doing a good job. They're, uh, you know, keeping, keeping Marcus clean in the pocket. Uh, the run game is, has improved dramatically. Uh, receivers are catching well. And, you know, we're scoring. You know, we get down, you know, we, we got big plays. And also we're getting to the uh, red zone, man, we're scoring. So that's, that's huge, you know, being able to separate from teams. And, uh, you know, that's, that's, that's something that we haven't been able to do uh, two years ago, man. It wasn't even thought of. So uh, it's, it's definitely, it's definitely uh, great news. And I feel like uh, they're getting comfortable, Marcus getting comfortable, and to where we can really put teams away. And uh, that's, that's what it takes to, to win games against big teams. So you look at your quarterback, Marcus Mariota, third year in the league, 23 years old. How good could this guy be? Uh, he could be really good. You know, he, he definitely comes to work every day. Uh, he, he strives to get better. And, you know, he, he, he's a guy that, you know, he takes his job seriously, man. And he, uh, I feel like the sky's the limit for him. He, he's definitely a talented, a talented kid, man. You know, one of those dual threat quarterbacks, he can run, but he doesn't, he doesn't want to run as much. But he, he, uh, his, his, he'll hurt you with, with both his feet and his arms. So, you know, the, uh, he's, he's improving, man. He's got – plenty of weapons around them, you know, to do that. And, you know, as long as they, they keep on they keep on uh grooming him and putting talent around him, uh nah his 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 uh his feeling of his feeling's gonna, you know, is gonna be crazy. We're talking to Titans linebacker Avery Williamson. So look at you guys now. Two and one, still early, but you look at this football team. How good could this team be? You said it before. You know, you're, this team is finishing games. It's doing things that it didn't do two years ago. How good could this team be? Oh, we could, we could really be a, uh, phenomenal. Um, you know, it's it's it's, uh, it's it's enjoyable to watch. You know, that it's crazy that you know. I feel like teams still take us kind of lightly at times. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty crazy to see how far we've come, you know, the, uh, beating teams like we did last year and, and starting this year. And, uh, I mean, it's, 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 uh, it's really remarkable to see it, man. But, I, you know, we, we, uh, we have one goal in mind, and, you know, that's going to the, to the last game, and that's uh, getting the trophy, man. So I feel like we got the team that, that's uh, capable of doing that. And, you know, we just got to make sure that we come to work every day, you know, emphasizing, staying focused. Don't let the wins get to us because we got a long way to go. You know, it's early in the season, man. It's only going. It's only week four. So you do feel like this is a Super Bowl caliber team? Oh yeah, we definitely have enough talent on the team to to, uh, to take it that far. And if you're not thinking like that, then you shouldn't be, shouldn't even be in the business. You know, if you don't, if you don't have that goal in your mind. So I look at you now. I mean, you'll be a free agent at the end of the year. Contract year for you opportunity for you to make a decent amount of money how do you approach this contract year uh man just try not to try not to focus on it and you know it's, it's easier said than done you obviously gonna think about it but um man just try to play loose and relaxed as possible and you know go out there and have fun enjoy it and uh you know that's something that that i definitely want to make sure that i do you know i was focusing on that this summer of not of, of making myself not think about contracts, you know, money, uh, will I be here or not? You know, just just try to focus on myself, enjoying the moment, 
to being with my team because, you know, I don't want to be worried about that all the time and, and then, you know, uh, not be able to enjoy, you know, what we're doing and that's having fun, winning games. So, so that's what I feel like um, kind of keeps me from going crazy, <laughs> just talking to myself. Okay. All right. So three weeks in, are, are you happy with your play at this point? Yeah, um, I definitely feel like I'm happy with it. Um, it could be a little bit better, but I feel like I'm definitely uh, definitely showing some signs of improvement, especially in my past coverage. And, uh, you know, that's what you go out there for to, to, to show that you got better from the last year. And it's still some things I want to work on. But, um, you know, I feel like I'm definitely getting better. And uh, I feel like as long as I keep working hard, man, the, the big plays are going to come. And you gotta you got to keep on working in practice and uh, film study and doing the right things every week. So Pro Football Focus has you rated as one of the top run-stuffing linebackers in football. What makes Avery Williamson so good against the run? Shoot, I would say my biggest thing is just having good instincts and uh, also having good vision and being able to tackle. You know, those three things are very important. So, um, you know, you got to be able to you know, get off blocks and, and be able to know where you uh, fit where you're supposed to fit. And uh, in the end, you got to make the tackle, man. So he, whether it's in uh, whether it's in uh, the uh, a pad covering pass or you know in between the tackles against the run, you know you got to make the tackles, man. So um, I just always you know make sure I worked on that even in practice, you know, just making sure that I'm uh, fitting up on tackles well and you know just so so I don't get out there and miss them in the game. So we talk about your ability against the run. Some would say that your weakness is against the pass and coverage. Do you see that to be the case? Uh, yeah, as of last year, I had a couple couple instances where, yeah, and uh, that's what I really want to emphasize on um, this year is showing that I am um, better in coverage and just, uh, you know, just just to show, show that, that I've improved. And, uh, you know, that's that's my emphasis every game, you know, go out there and show that I've, I've improved from week to week, and, uh, and whether it's in the run or pass, but, uh, I definitely want to make sure that, that I'm known as a, a linebacker that can play all three downs, not just the first two. We're talking to Titans linebacker Avery Williamson. So, Avery, against the Seahawks, both teams decided not to come out for the national anthem in response to the whole Donald Trump thing and his speech and the things that he said uh, about players kneeling. What did you guys do in the locker room while the anthem was being played? What did you guys do? Uh, we just kind of, you know, sat there and just sat in the lockers and you know, just focused in and just ready to go out. You know, it was, we didn't want it to be uh, too much of a distraction and uh, to take away from the game, but uh, we just wanted to make sure that we were all on, on one accord. And, uh, you know, we, we, we just kind of focused in, man, and, and, and made sure that we were on point when we walked out that locker room. Were you comfortable doing that? Were you comfortable sitting in the locker room for the anthem? Yeah, I mean, I was, it's my first time ever doing it, but I, mean, I was comfortable, man, because I had all my teammates with me. You know, we didn't want to do half the team out there and then uh, the other half in the locker room, man. So the fact that we were all together, it made it feel a whole lot more comfortable. So what do you guys got planned this week? Uh, we're, we're definitely going we're, we're going to be out for the anthem, man. And uh, we're going to... Uh, not sure what all the details, but we're definitely going to be out there on the sideline for the anthem. Okay. Do you see yourself kneeling at any point? 
Um, I don't, I don't believe so. Um, I definitely, okay. I respect those guys that are doing that, and uh, I understand what they're doing it for. You know, it's just, uh, it's definitely um, for good reasons, and it's, you know, it's not against the to be negative against the military or anything like that or servicemen. You know, it's for uh, equality, and I understand what those guys are doing, and uh, you know, definitely, uh, you got to be brave to do that because you're gonna face a lot of scrutiny. So I look at you guys now. You got the Texans coming up. You got the Sean Watson, the impressive rookie quarterback. Has has been yeah. impressive in his first two starts. Big threat with his leg. How do you approach Watson? Yeah. Man, uh, really the biggest thing is, you know, he definitely can throw the ball. You got to make sure when you when you tackle him that you wrap him up, man, because uh, he can he can go. And he's he's definitely elusive. And he's definitely like a Russell Wilson type. He'll, he'll do things with his legs and he'll throw the ball when he's going down. And you think you got him and he completes the pass. So uh, we got to make sure we contain him in the pocket. Don't let him get yards when he scrambles. And uh, just get him off, get him uh, frustrated, get him off his uh, out of his comfort zone. And uh, that's what teams, a lot of teams haven't been doing, uh, letting them run free. Patriots did a better job of it than the Bengals. Um, but, um, you know, you definitely can't let them get started, man, because he, he definitely, he's running the score. And we look at the Houston Texans. They've been a class of the AFC South, haven't won the division the past two years. Do you feel like this is the game, this game is an opportunity for you guys to show that you are the class of the AFC South? Yeah, I definitely it's, – it's a huge opportunity to put them back two games, you know, and, and we haven't won down there in, in some years. So, it would be uh, huge for us to go down there and get a victory. And, and you know, it's any 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 time you can beat a division, you can uh, beat a division uh, opponent, that's huge, man. So, we're going down on a mission, man. We haven't beat them in a while down there. So, we got to uh, we gotta get this win, you know, to, to put us close to the playoffs. Do you think – I mean, obviously it's only one game, and obviously it's only going to be four games into the season after this game against the Texans. But but do you think these was one of those games where you could show not only the Texans, not only the AFC South, but the league that the Titans are for real? I feel like definitely, man. Every game is important, but I feel like that when, um, you know, it's a lot of hype, you know, going they almost beat the Patriots. And, uh, you know, I feel like – it's definitely a, a game that, you know, we can really show our stuff to the league, man, and uh, show that we're for real. We're talking to Titans linebacker Avery Williamson. Let's get out on this now. I, again, I know a lot of football left, and ultimately, you know, you don't want to think about this too much, but, again, it is a contract year. But at this point and at the end of the day, do you feel like you've done enough to get a decent contract with either the Titans or, or anybody else in the National Football League? I, I definitely am putting, you know, putting in a lot of work. In it. So uh, my, my first three years of film, man, I, I feel like I've gotten a lot better over those uh, those these past three years, and I feel like it's going to continue to improve. You know, this uh, this uh, this this last season. So um, you know, I, I definitely feel like I've, I've done a, a good job of, of uh, laying the foundation. Uh, to get a good contract. So uh, I feel like this is kind of like just the icing on the cake this year. All right. All right. So, fans, make sure you hit this man up on Twitter at AWilliamson54. That's AWilliamson54. Support all the great things going on with Titans linebacker Avery Williamson. I, I saw that you're from Cleveland. Are, are you a Cavaliers fan? I, I am. I'm a LeBron fan, actually. <laughs> 
Okay. All right. All right. So you're happy with you're happy with everything Cleveland has done. Isaiah Thomas. Yeah. I'm happy with it. I'm happy with it, man. I'm happy with it. I feel like they're gonna have a great squad this year. Okay. You're not mad at Kyrie. Have a great squad. I was definitely upset to see him go, but I mean, I feel like when they brought Isaiah Thomas in, that was a huge, a huge plus. You know, just to have another body type like him. You know, he could, he's a scorer, man. So I was excited to see that happen. Okay, sounds good. Also, make sure you go to the website avery54.com. That's avery54.com, and again, support all the great things going on with Titans linebacker Avery Williamson. Avery, go get that steak. You know, you know, <laughs> love on that steak. Have a good old time yes, with that state. I'd <laughs> love to do it again. Yeah, I appreciate it, my man. I appreciate you having me on the show. Avery Williamson. And that interview was from last week. We had to take care of some of these technical difficulties. I think we cleaned it up. I think. I think, I think, I think. But let's 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 have at it. So obviously, one of the biggest things that's been talked about. It's Cam Newton. I mean, Cam Newton, Wednesday. You know, here's the thing. First, Cam apologized. Um, he, he apologized for some unfortunate comments. And I don't... Cam, in my opinion, in my opinion, I, I thought... It was a situation where he was being playful. I, I thought it was a situation, you know, where he, it, I, I don't, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. I thought Cam gave uh, Jordan Rodriguez the, the uh, I, I almost think he gave her a compliment on some level. He gave her a compliment on some level, and, and I think at at the end of the day, I don't think his mission, his goal was to insult her. I don't think his mission, his goal was to disrespect her. I don't think his mission, his goal was to do anything but I think but have fun and have a laugh on some level, and at the same time give her a compliment. Let's be real. You don't hear many women talking about people running routes or wide receivers running routes. But you do hear women involved in sports, involved in football, women who like football, women who talk football for a living talk about routes. So it's not out of the realm of possibility for, you know, the reporter or any other woman associated with the NFL who covers the NFL talking about routes. Now, Anybody, any woman outside of the NFL talking about routes, guess what? It's a rarity. It, it, it is a rarity for anyone, any female, I think, outside of football to talk about routes and route running. Now, do I think Cam should have said it? No. I, I don't think so at all. But I do I think we're making a big deal about it? Sure, I do. I, I think we're making a bigger deal about this whole situation than it's worth. You know, this guy lost sponsorships. Uh, you know, Danny Yogurt, he lost sponsorship. I mean, the guy's been vilified, chastised by many within the media. 
I get it. He didn't need to say it. But I don't think he was I don't think he was malicious. Ultimately he did apologize. But let's talk about this report. Let's talk about this reporter for a second. Let, let, let's talk about her. Because we got tweets that have surfaced from her from many moons ago. And in those tweets, I mean, they're racist tweets. She used the N-word in her racist tweets. I mean, to me, this is this is is more egregious. This is more serious than what Cam did or what Cam ever said. This is serious stuff. Eight, ten, thirteen. Here she goes. He's the best. Racist jokes the whole drive home. My dad is super racist. As we pass through Navajo land, the earth moves at. The earth moves at 450 miles. That's 10 times triller than NASCAR's Dale Earnhardt's a bleep N-word. That's offensive. You know, ultimately, Cam apologized because he had to apologize. And the reporter, she apologized because she had to apologize. Jordan Rodriguez, she apologized because she had to. Cam apologized because he had to. Both apologized because they had to. Did Cam really mean, in terms of apology, do you really mean it? I don't know. Did Miss Rodriguez, Miss Jordan Rodriguez, who covers the passage for the Charlotte Observer, did she really mean her apology? I don't know. You know, a lot of times people apologize not necessarily because they want to. People apologize because they have to. Cam Newton apologized because he had to. And she, she did the same. But at the end of the day, I, I think this is a bigger deal. I think people are making a bigger deal of it than, than, than we should. And again, I think Cam has learned his lesson. And I think at the end of the day, you put a microphone in front of, of these football players as often as we do, eventually they're going to say some things that's going to be offensive. Eventually they're going to say some things that they will regret. Eventually they're going to say some things that they, they want to take back. It just comes to the territory. But I think, you know, for him to lose an endorsement deal, I think was a little extreme. I, I think the backlash that he's getting is a little extreme. But I do think he waited a day too long to apologize. I thought he should apologize that day, you know, maybe an hour or two later. I, I thought, you know, somebody should have got up with him, and maybe they did, maybe they didn't. But somebody should have got up with him and, like, yo, Cam, Listen, man, you can't say that. And, and, you know, what you said may not be that bad, but you can't say it, man. So you got to apologize. It, it's just the right thing to do. And, 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 you know, eventually he did apologize. I think it was a day too late. But he did apologize. And I, I think hopefully we can move forward from this. 
I, I think it's possible. I know it's possible. And I think it's time we move forward from it. But I will say this. I will say this. You know, what he said, wrong, but not horrible, not terrible. What she said on those tweets were terrible, were horrible, and were wrong. And there's no way that she should have said anything like that on social media. This was 2013. That was four years ago. I mean, maybe she's changed. I don't know where she was at four years ago. But I mean, here's also the thing about social media. And it kind of goes back to Herm Edwards and what he said. Watch before you send, press send. Watch before you press send. And and it kind of reminds me um, of Herm Edwards and what he always says about people and Twitter and Facebook and social media in general. You got to be careful when you press send because what you put it out there, it's out there and it's out there for good. Once you put it out there, it is out there for good. And, and, and you can't take it back unless you erase it. And she didn't erase it. And maybe at the time she was like, you know what? Not that big of a deal. I'm not that big of a deal at this point. Who cares? And then probably in reality, she probably forgot about him. Probably tweeted him out years ago. Probably forgot about him. Probably not a big deal to her. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, it is a big deal. To me, it's a bigger deal. It's a bigger deal than what Cam Newton said. Much bigger deal. So I think at the end of the day, we can move on from this. And I think at the end of the day, maybe Cam will get that, you know, that deal back. Maybe he won't. Um, but again, it, it, it's just, it, it's kind of much to do about nothing on some level. He shouldn't have said it. He's wrong for saying it. But did he really do anything that bad? Did he really do anything? that bad. Really? Did he really do anything that bad? Yes, he said it was. It, it's funny to hear a, a female talk about routes, but he did answer the question, and he, he did answer it with respect, other than that part. And, you know, obviously, she reacted on Twitter, and I think that kind of, you know, made it a little worse for Cam. I think that definitely made it a little worse for Cam. You know, obviously, you know, she, her going to Twitter, her saying, I don't think it's funny to be a female and talk about routes. I don't think it's, I think it's my job. That's what she tweeted out. I don't think it's funny to be a female and talk about routes. I think it's my job. That's what she said. Yeah, it is her job to talk about routes. And, and and this is where Cam went wrong because obviously she's a female, but she works in football. So obviously she's going to talk about routes. But I, you can also make the argument how many men talk about General Hospital or the Young and the Restless or, or, or Dynasty. How many men do that? Not a lot. Not a lot. Right? But if that man works in soap operas or, or works in the industry, obviously he's going to talk about it. Same goes for a woman. How many women do you hear about talking about rats? Not a lot. But obviously, if she works in the industry, 
if she covers football for a living, obviously she is going to discuss routes. And that's what this comes down to. On the surface, what Cam said is really not wrong. But when you think about it from the standpoint of her being in football and covering football for a living, you know, it does come off as, you know, condescending on some level and, and, and also sexist on some level from the standpoint you're saying, you know, you're a female and you don't talk about routes. And that's not what he's saying, but it's essentially what he's saying. But at the end of the day, I don't think he meant harm. It could be perceived as sexist, but I don't think he meant any harm. I, I don't think he meant it to be – I don't think it was a big deal to him, and I don't think his intent was to insult her. I, I think his intent was to compliment her. Don't be wrong. He did apologize. So obviously he felt he was wrong on some level. Maybe not. I just apologize because it comes with the territory. Obviously, Nick Falk had a bad night. And people, players, kickers, have bad nights. That's just the reality of it. They have bad nights. Good, bad, or what have you. That's the reality of it. And Nick Falk had a bad night. A night that was very regrettable. A night that he will remember for a long time because it could be his last night in the National Football League for a very long time. In the National Football League, as a kicker, your job is to make field goals. When you're not doing that, obviously you're not doing your job, and obviously it's going to be very difficult for you to keep your job. Wow. Nick Falk, who missed two field goals and an extra point against the Giants last week. Will you miss three field goals? 31. 56, and 56 is understandable. But 49, you got to make. When you do that against a team like the New England Patriots, against a team that is as good as the New England Patriots, and you lose by five points, people are going to look right at you. They're going to look right in your grill right in your face. That's what they're going to do. Conversely, Goskowski, Stephen Goskowski, for the Patriots, made a 23, made a 27, made a 45, and made a 48-yard field goal. So he handled his business. Nick Falk did not. And because Goskowski, you know, because Goskowski was able to handle his business, and because Nick Folk did not, the Patriots win 19-14. That's it. Now, again, it, it's, it's not all about the kicker, and it doesn't always come down to just the kicker in terms of why the, bank, the, the Buccaneers lost that game. At the end of the day, you want to take it out of the hands of your kicker, and you want to punch the ball in the end zone. That's what you want to do. The 56-yard field goal, obviously, it was before halftime, it's unavoidable. But the 49 to 31, you want to get that into the end zone 
so you don't have to rely on your kicker. So it, it's not just Nick Folk's fault. You know, it, it comes down to the play of everybody. comes down to the play of James Winston and not being able to get that ball into the end zone. The offensive line not protecting so they can get the ball into the end zone. I mean, it comes down to that. And those guys aren't getting the ball into the end zone. Well, guess what? It's obviously going to affect things. It's obviously going to affect your team and hurt your team. And that's what it did. It affected and it hurt your team because ultimately you had to rely on a field goal kicker who has not been very reliable this year. And then you already got rid of a kicker who you drafted in the second round in, in Roberto Aguayo who is moved on from, who you moved on from, who you cut because he wasn't getting the job done. Nick Falk is a guy at this point who's not getting the job done. He's, what, he's missed almost half of, half of his kicks. He's missed almost half of his kicks. You can't have that. He's an 80% field goal kicker career. But at this point, he's missed almost half of his kicks. That's not acceptable. That's not acceptable. That's unacceptable. And when you're missing three field goals, when you're missing two field goals and an extra point, those are difficult to overcome, and, and, and it's going to be hard for your team to overcome those things. It's Like I said, especially when you're playing against a good football team, like the New England Patriots, a Super Bowl winning football team, a team led by Tom Brady. That's going to be difficult, and that's going to be hard to overcome. So I, I you know, and obviously Tampa Bay, you know, they're, they're out there looking for kickers, and they need to be looking for kickers. They need to be looking for kickers. Kickers. And I don't think Nick Folk was all super impressive in preseason, but I think it was a byproduct of also Aguayo was just awful. He was awful. And when you're trying, and you're like, you're the Tampa Bay Buccaneers now. You're trying to take that next step now. That next step for you is making it to the playoffs. Jameis Winston trying to take that next step. That next step for him is making the playoffs. The whole organization, it needs to be about the playoffs this year. And so because it needs to be about the playoffs this year for this organization, you know, and because you're going to be involved in a lot of close games, you can't be messing around with a kicker who you don't trust. You can't be messing around with a kicker who's, who's not making field goals and not doing what he needs to do. You can't mess around. It wasn't like years past when, when, the, when the standard or when the, 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 the expectation wasn't playoffs. The expectation this year is playoffs and beyond. Therefore, when the expectation is playoffs and beyond, you can't be messing around with a kicker who is, is erratic. You can't be messing around with a kicker who's missing half of his field goals. You can't be messing around with a kicker that you don't trust. You're costing your team games. You're costing your team games. And in a game like that, a game against a team like the New England Patriots, a game that was very winnable for you, a game that you were able to move the ball but not be able to get into the end zone. A game where your defense, you know, did a great job on Tom Brady. You did a great job on Tom Brady. 
You did your job. You did your job against Tom Brady. Tom Brady only got into the end zone once. That's doing your job. And you intercepted Tom Brady for the first time this season. You did your job. Defensively, you did your job. Offensively, against the Patriots defense that struggled this year, you didn't do your job because you have your field goal kicker kicking field goals, and he's not reliable. So you didn't do your job. Your job was not done the way it needs to be done. And ultimately, it cost you a football game. I'd be shocked. I'd be stunned. I would be amazed if Nick Folk is back and, and is on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers roster next season. Shocked. Not next season, next week. Stunned. I'd be shocked. I don't think it's going to happen. It can't happen. You, you, you can't do it. You can't bring or, or, or put Nick Folk out there again. You can't do it. You, you, you'd be a fool. The backlash from your fan base would be big time. You would be a fool. Anyway, Kirk Cousins. And I look at Kirk Cousins now, and he's a guy, obviously, the franchise tag the past two seasons. A guy, obviously, that Washington at this point does not believe in. They don't, because obviously if they did, they would try harder to, to lock him down. Now, he's also a good start. 66% completion percentage, seven touchdowns, only one pick, playing some decent football, and had a decent game against the um, the Chiefs on Monday night. And, 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 you know, that's a tough game. That's a tough game against the Chiefs are an undefeated football team, good football team, and obviously it's at Arrowhead, so that makes them even tougher. Cousins wasn't bad on Monday night. You know, he, he kept his team in that football game. He made some plays along the way, hit a deep one to Pryor, hit a deep one to Vernon Davis, kept his team in the football game, didn't turn the football over, and, and, and played decent, played well, played play fairly well. But, I, you know, Mark Griffin came out this week and says it was a mistake for, for the Redskins not to have locked Kirk Cousins down. It was a mistake. Now, now, obviously if Kirk Cousins balls out this year, has a big-time year, puts up some big-time numbers, takes the Redskins pretty far in the playoffs, obviously, you know, you're, you're going to want to bring him back. And obviously it would be, you know, a mistake for you not to have signed him to a long-term deal. However, however, I, I think at this point with Kirk Cousins, he's solid. He's a decent quarterback. But I don't think anybody in their right mind could say definitively that he's franchise. He's a franchise quarterback. I don't think anybody can say definitively that they're comfortable and happy with Kirk Cousins as their quarterback. I, I, I don't think you can say that definitively. I don't think you can. Now, I could be wrong about that, and there's a great possibility 
that I could be wrong about that. But I, I just feel like I don't know, man. It just he, he he's not a well. I can't say definitively that he's a franchise quarterback. But I you obviously can't say on the other side. You can't say definitive, definitively that he is a franchise quarterback. So obviously you're in a situation. Uh, 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 it, it just it, you're obviously in a situation now where it just wouldn't happen. It, it just wouldn't happen. I, you know, it's, it's it's a tough situation for Washington. Because I, I, I know, and looking at Kirk Cousins, that they have their doubts. Obviously, it's shown. And I think their doubts are legit. But I think Kirk Cousins is solid. I think he's slightly below a franchise quarterback. Slightly below a franchise quarterback. Not a franchise guy, but obviously not a bad quarterback. I think he's slightly below franchise quarterback status. Could be wrong on that. And Washington, I think they hope I'm wrong. Um, obviously, Kirk, but at the end of the day, no matter what happens, Kirk Cousins has made some decent money, $43.9 million in the past two seasons. He, he, he's made some good money, and there will be a lot of Cousins out here, you know, happy with, with that particular money. And if Kirk Cousins never played another down of football after this season – he would be good financially. He'd be okay. He he'd be just fine okay financially if he never played another down of football. He would be. But at the same time, at the same time, obviously he wants to make money. Here's the thing: if he doesn't make it with Washington, he's going to make it elsewhere. That's just the reality. If he don't make it with Washington, he's going to make it elsewhere. He may not make what he's made over the past two seasons. But somebody's going to pay him some decent money, just the way it works in the NFL. The quarterback position, quarterbacks get paid, they, whether they're good, bad, or what have you. I mean, the average quarterback can make some decent money. Mike Glennon, for example, who was headed to the bench, he's an average to below average quarterback, but is making some decent money. An average to below average quarterback who's making decent money. Signed for three years, $45 million with the Chicago Bears. So he's, he's okay. Okay. Decent money he's made. What, $8 million, $3 million salary signing bonus, average salary $15 million. So he, he, he's okay. He's all right. He's good. So he's making 13, he's making $14 million this year. Making $14 million this year. And Mike Glennon has done absolutely, positively nothing in this league. Nothing. But he's a quarterback, and quarterbacks get paid. Sam Bradford, we can go on and on, the contracts that he's gotten over the years. He's a quarterback, and quarterbacks get paid. So Kirk Cousins is going to get paid. No matter who, when, and how. That that's what it comes down to. Simple. Simple and plain. Nothing more, nothing less. Let's go to Dallas Cowboys now. You look at Dallas and, you know, obviously you played the Rams last week and, 
in, a, at your, in your building, in Jerry's world, and you couldn't get it done against the Rams. And, for, and, and kudos to the Rams. You know, they're playing some good football. Jared Goff and the Rams are playing some good football right now. Off to a 3-1 start. Obviously, Goff's playing some big-time football. Todd Gurley's giving you some big-time football. And, and the Rams are a decent football team at this point. And But the Dallas Cowboys, obviously, 2-2 two and two at this point, you know, losing a game. You know, obviously, they got beat down in Denver. And then they... In in their building against the Rams, couldn't find a way to get it done against the Rams. I mean, you know, we don't know how good the Rams are at this point, but obviously that game is seemingly a winnable game. And now you got Green Bay coming to your building, a team that beat you in your building in the playoffs last season, a team that has Aaron Rodgers, and any team that has Aaron Rodgers has an opportunity. Let's be honest. Let's be real. But uh, I, I look at that football game, and obviously – it's not a game that you can say definitively that the Dallas Cowboys can win. It's a game that they actually could lose, and if they do lose, the Cowboys at that point would go to two and three. And then the next three after that, you know, if they do go to two and three, they go to their bye. Then the next three, that San Francisco game they should win at Washington, which could be a toss-up, and then Kansas City is going to uh, Dallas, and then you got Atlanta, and then you got at Philly. So we look at the next five weeks: Green Bay at San Francisco at Washington. You know, Kansas City at home, at Atlanta, and Philly at home. So the next five games are going to be a tough, tough stretch for the Cowboys. One, you know, two, three. Three of those teams are teams that easily could make the playoffs. Four of those teams are teams that could easily make the playoffs in Green Bay, Washington, Kansas City, and the Falcons, and the Philadelphia. So two for the next six, five of those teams could easily be in the playoffs. Washington could be easy, easily be in the playoffs. Obviously, Green Bay could easily be in the playoffs. Kansas City could easily be in the playoffs. Atlanta could easily be in the playoffs. And the Eagles could easily be in the playoffs. So these next six games, it's a rough stretch for Dallas. And it might tell us a lot about the Dallas Cowboys who at this point are at 2-2. Two and two. After the next six games, they'll be ten games deep into their schedule, and then they got the final, their final, their final six: Chargers, Washington, at the Giants, at the Raiders, Seattle, and at Philadelphia. So, so obviously, it, it, it's going to be interesting to see how Dallas does. In these next six weeks, this is the season, I believe, for Dallas. These next six weeks are the season. I, I truly believe that. And if you look at the schedule, three and three is not out of realm of possibility. And if you're three and three at that point, you are five and five. Three and three is not out of realm of possibility. Heck, two and four. Is not out of the realm of possibility. But also four and two is not out of the realm of possibility. Five and one, that's a stretch. Over these next six, Green Bay at San Francisco, at Washington, Kansas City, at uh, Atlanta, and then Philadelphia at home. Nah, four and two is not out of the realm of possibility. Five and one is a stretch. Obviously, six and zero is a bigger stretch. Three and three is is would be. Understandable. 
So, it's going to be interesting to see what the Cowboys do in these next few weeks. But obviously, their defense has not been that good. And we look at that Cowboy defense last year, they, they, they stuck together, they, 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 they had a solid defense, and their defense was good enough. Obviously, their offense was big time, but their defense was good enough for them to, to ultimately have the best record in the NFC and good enough for them to have a home playoff game, which they lost to the Green Bay Packers. But that defense was solid enough last season. This year, defense is struggling. They're, they're struggling a little bit. Giving up 24 points per game. That's not good. Yardage-wise, this defense, Cowboy defense, not good there either. 1,300 yards. Not awful. That's not awful. Not awful. Obviously, those points ain't good. You know, you got to bring those points down. But this defense is... It's not what they were last season. And again, I'm not saying this defense is great, was great last year, but I think this defense was a lot better than it was this year. Than it is this year, a lot better. You look at the Cowboy defense from a year ago, giving up 19 points per game. Now they're giving up 24 at this point. That's five more points, and that's a lot of points in the National Football League. That's a lot of points. But we're only four games deep. But again, that's a lot of points. It's a lot of points. And when you're giving up that those you know those extra five points, it's a difference in football games. It's a difference in games. It's a difference in the, in that Rams game. You know, five points here and five points there, and two and two is could be four and up. Well, not against Denver. It could be three and one because that game against Denver they were blown out. They had no shot. But you know those five points, you know you easily could be. Three and one. So the Dallas Cowboys have a tough game against the Green Bay Packers, and if they lose this game, I think you might have a level of panic in Dallas, especially what's coming up next with their schedule. I, I think it might be a level of panic, not obviously San Francisco, but those other teams, the Redskins, Kansas City, Atlanta, Philly. Those are going to be some tough football games against some tough football teams against teams who could easily make the playoffs. We're going to, like I said before, I'll say it again. We're going to learn a lot about the Dallas Cowboys in the next six weeks. So Dallas fans, get ready. Get right. Because you're going to learn a lot about your team sooner than later. Let's go back to the NBA. Let's go to the NBA now. And Kevin McHale, who coached James Harden in Houston and now is an analyst for NBA TV, came out and said James Harden is not a leader. He said, quote, James can see all the passes and do everything, but James is not a leader. He tried being a leader last year, tried doing all that stuff. I think Chris Paul is going to help him just kind of get back into just being able to hoop and play stuff like that. On every team, you have a voice. On every team, you have somebody that when they say something, people listen. Like if James tells you, you got to play better D. Are you going to listen to him? I lived through it. Believe me, everybody in the locker room did this. Put their head down with their hand on their forehead. Every time you mention defense, everybody put their head down. So, 
obviously we look at James Harden and last year, James Harden easily could have been the MVP if if, if Russell Westbrook wouldn't have did the unthinkable, the unimaginable, the the and and, and messed around and averaged a triple double for the season. Obviously, James Harden would have won MVP, but what Russell Westbrook did was absolutely, truly amazing. It's just truly amazing. But anyway, he, he had to win MVP with that type of performance and with those type of numbers. But anyway, James Harden. It, it, you know, we we James Harden obviously doesn't play defense. We, we we know that defense is not a strong suit. I, I think it would be disrespectful to say he doesn't play defense at all, but defense is not a strong suit. And maybe, you know, Kevin McHale would know. Maybe leadership is not his strong suit either. I mean, and, but to his credit, you know, he did lead that team last year. He did get that team far. But ultimately, he went to bed in that game seven against the San Antonio Spurs, and that San Antonio Spurs team didn't have Tony Parker. He went to bed against the San Antonio Spurs last season in those playoffs. Went to bed in game six with an opportunity to get the game back to his building. I mean, excuse me, a game, uh, an opportunity to get the, get the game to a game seven, an opportunity to, to play in a game seven. James Harden had a horrible performance. He was just non-existent, and it was, it was, it was amazing to see a guy in the playoffs in that spot just wet the bed. To, to, to see a guy play the way he played in that spot in that game against the San Antonio Spurs when you had so much on the line, when you play 37 minutes, only put the ball up 11 times, only make two shots, score 10 points but have six turnovers, and just was just look absolutely awful and listless and lost. When you do that in a game seven, excuse me, in a game six, and your team gets blown out 114 to 75 on your home court, people are obviously going to question you. They're going to question you. And there was no Tony Parker, and there was no Kawhi Leonard on the other side. So you had no Kawhi, no Tony Parker, and you went to bed in a game six in your building. That's unacceptable. That's unimaginable. You're a superstar. You're an MVP caliber player. You're a leader of a team. And for you to play the way you played in that particular situation is just unacceptable. Is James Harden the leader? I think he led that team pretty far last year. I think he did a great job with that team, along with Mike D'Antoni. But when you know Mike D'Antoni gave him the keys to the team, and, and James Harden did his thing as the point guard. He gave him the keys, and he did his thing. Did his thing. But, again... You know, sometimes we do things, you know, sometimes we, 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 come, we are thrust into positions to be something that we're not necessarily comfortable doing and that we don't necessarily want to do. doesn't mean we can't do it. doesn't mean we, 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 don't, we can't do it well. It, doesn't, it, it means that we're not comfortable doing it. it. It means it's not something we really want to do. It, it means we're not happy necessarily doing it. And for James Harden, 
Maybe that's the case. Hey, not necessarily comfortable being a leader, but can be a leader. Doesn't necessarily want to be a leader, but can be a leader. Hates being a leader, hates being in, in that position to be a leader, but has leadership-type qualities. A lot of people are thrust into positions that they don't want to be in. A lot of people do things that they don't want to do. You do it with your kids, things that you don't want to do, things that you may not be comfortable doing. You do it with your wife, things that you don't want to do, things you might not be comfortable doing. You do it at your job, things that you don't want to do, things that not, you may not be comfortable doing. It doesn't mean you can't do it. doesn't mean you can't get it done. You're just not comfortable doing it. It doesn't come naturally for you. You have to work a little harder to get it done. I think a lot of people run into that situation in life. A lot of people. So maybe James Harden is running into that situation in life where he can be a leader, but he doesn't necessarily want to be a leader. And maybe a guy like Chris Paul can help in that area, obviously, because Chris Paul is a, is a leader, seems to be a natural leader, and seems to want to be a leader. It, it suits and fits his personality a little better than it does James Hart. Maybe. But anyway, you can listen to this show and other great shows at blogtalkradio.com slash pgan, where you can listen to this show and other great shows. Follow us on Twitter at GoForAgain. Go to the website, GoForAgainSports.com. Hit us up on Facebook, Facebook.com slash sports or go for it again, excuse me, and support all the great things will go for it again, sports, and Paul can. For everybody, here I go for it. We hope that you have a great weekend. We hope that your weekend is fun, prosperous, and that you love to love to love. See you later. Take care. Bye.